From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show. Good morning, everyone, and welcome into the 1011 Now streaming studio. As always, I'm Bill Rentschler, joined alongside by Sports Director Kevin Suits. A little earlier in the day than we normally meet, Kevin. You got a flight to catch. Yeah, you got a flight to catch. Heading down to Tampa, Florida. Last week, Kevin, I asked you how you thought the Huskers would do hosting the volleyball regional final, and you, you almost got it right. You thought it would sweep their way to the final four. They dropped one set to Arkansas. Arkansas was really good. That was a really good match. I mean, I think if Arkansas played some of the other teams, you know, they might have even a better chance of winning. But, man, they gave Nebraska a fight. I mm-hmm. think that was good for John Cook's team, which is now 32-1. and They're off to the Final Four with the national semifinals on Thursday. The Huskers will play the 6 o'clock match on ESPN, and they're going to face Pitt, a team that just knocked out Louisville. Yes, and that match went three uh, went five sets. Reverse sweep. Reverse sweep. And Pitt, again, we talked – you know, every time you talk about Nebraska volleyball, John Cook, we're generally talking defense. Pitt is actually, I believe, ranked one spot higher in terms of overall team defense uh, in the uh, in the rankings than Nebraska is. So it's going to be a defensive battle between those two teams. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because this is a very fascinating matchup for Nebraska. This is, you know, I don't know, for the first time in a while, you're going to look at the other side of the net and say, what are they, you know, because let's be honest, when Nebraska's playing Long Island and when they're playing Missouri – there's not a whole lot of concern on the mm-hmm. other side of the, the net. However, this Pitt team has now been to the Final Four for three consecutive years. Mm-hmm. This is who the Huskers played in the national semifinals in 2021. And this year's Pitt team leads the nation in a hitting percentage. I think they're at 306 or 308. They're one of just three teams in the country that hit better than 300. But Nebraska's defense is the best defense in the country. Their opponent hitting percentage is 070, which is almost – Twice as good as anybody else. Yeah. You know, I think the next closest one is 135, something to that effect. So that highlights how good Nebraska is defensively, but Pitt's a very good offensive team. And when they get rolling, like they did in set five against Louisville, they're a pretty formidable opponent. It was like an avalanche. I mean, the first, I mean, again, Danny Busboom Kelly and the Louisville Cardinal team had a great season and they looked really good the first two sets of that match. And then a switch flipped. It was almost comparable to the Nebraska-Minnesota basketball game where the first two sets looked like the first half for Nebraska and the last three, you just couldn't stop it. Yeah, volleyball is a momentum game. And Mm -hmm. once Pitt got some momentum, and as much as we may want to say that Louisville kind of froze in the moment and they imploded a little bit, let's also give Pitt a lot of credit because they have some high flyers on that team and um, they've got an experienced setter too. And that's always concerning this time of year. So I think the the final four, it's a fun final four. Nebraska and Pitt. And then on the other side of the bracket, it is Texas and Wisconsin. Texas knocks out Stanford. Mm -hmm. Wisconsin, of course, is a one seed out of the Madison Regional. And a lot of people are just assuming that it's going to be Nebraska-Wisconsin in the national championship. And Oh, what fun that would be on Sunday afternoon. Best out of three. Again, the series is tied one-to-one so far this year. Uh, you were in the locker room following the uh, regional final victory. You interviewed Andy Jackson, Alexi Rodriguez, Harper Murray. That just had to be a lot of fun. What was the energy like in that locker room, and what were your takeaways from the players? Well, I thought it was fascinating the fact that we got to go into the locker room, but this is John Cook playing chess here oh. because at the Final Four – Media is allowed in the locker room. There's usually about a 15, 20-minute window on the day before the Final Four. And then also following each match, the locker room is open for reporters. That's typically not the case during the regular season. Mm -hmm. So 
with six newcomers who have never been to the Final Four and Nebraska having a relatively young roster. You know, Becca Alex never played in the Final Four. Mm -hmm. I felt like allowing the media into Nebraska's locker room was looking into the future and saying, we want to get you guys prepared for this experience because there was so much different at the Final Four. The players will talk about this, all the media obligations, some of the things you have to do for the the big screen inside the arena in Tampa Mm -hmm. and for the national broadcast on ESPN there. It's a very busy schedule that they have, and this is just another element to it. It's that the locker room, their domain is not private. There are going to be other people in there. Yeah. So to prepare them for that, I think was part of the reason behind allowing reporters into Nebraska's locker room again, playing playing chess. chess. Yeah. So, you know, Harper Murray isn't like, Whoa, what, what, what's, what's the big shining light with the huge <laughs> camera doing in here? Um, and those folks, you know, it, it's, it's actually a really fun time when yeah. us reporters get to go into the locker room because it's typically immediately after the match. There's not, not much of a cool-down period, so you get some pretty authentic and raw emotion, and I really enjoyed that. And I think that was one of my big takeaways, to answer your question, Bill, was that there was just a sense of joy in that mm-hmm. locker room, excitement because they're going to the Final Four. And Lexi Rodriguez even admitted to me, she had just a terrific soundbite saying, Hey, we have a little bit of relief here that got stressful. Like, she was very honest about the nature of the Arkansas match and then the emotions subsequently after the Huskers won. And John Cook even said that, too, in some of his post-match sound. And, you know, beforehand, they, they try not to let on that, like, hey, there's pressure. But he was like, there was a lot of pressure. And we felt it, especially, you know, maybe against uh, some of our earlier matches in the, in the postseason. Well, the pressure is not just because Nebraska is the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Part of it um, for Nebraska is the fact that they were playing at home, too. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were going to have this special season come to a sour end, of course you would not want to do it on your home court. As Nebraska has not lost at home this year. They went 21-0. So the 21 wins inside the Devaney Center, that's a Nebraska home record for amount of wins during a, a home schedule. And – Let's think about what was done at home this year. You win the Emeritus Players Challenge. You set the record for attendance inside Memorial Stadium. You knock off Stanford. Or, sorry, you you knock off Wisconsin and you end the skid to the Badgers. You also defeat Kentucky. You defeat Penn State. There there were just so much that happened at home. Jordan Larson joins the staff Mm -hmm. midseason, and then she gets the huge welcome back that she did. Uh, So if you document what happened, not over the course of the entire season, but just what happened in Lincoln, it's been pretty amazing. Yeah. And you know those girls did not want to spoil it by By having a situation where they had their season end here at home. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, obviously they still have potentially two matches left, but it's, at the same time, it's kind of sad to think about no more home volleyball matches this season. Got to wait until till next season because they were just so good and they were so See, fun to watch. Now you're sounding like a spoiled fan here. I know. Though. I mean, I because, know. like, it has been so amazing, the sold-out crowds and um, – what, did you see the stat recently that Nebraska broke the record for amount of fans? Attendance. To watch a team at home in a women's sport yep. in NCAA history, two hundred and fifty-five thousand. I think that was, and that was before the uh, regional final against Arkansas. So you could throw in another eight, nine thousand. It's there. an incredible number, and the atmosphere. You know, to see the number is one thing, but sometimes you can't quantify the feel of being inside a sold-out crowd. And I felt against 
Arkansas, the fans were pretty charged up, and they really enjoyed that match. When Nebraska made the comeback and set one, once once Arkansas's lead started to dwindle, Down the crowd really just carried the Huskers to the lead late in set number one. Um, and I expect a lot of Nebraska fans to make their way down to Tampa. Yeah. What, what do you think? I mean, I think the arena holds 20,000 is what I've heard. You think 10,000 Husker fans in that arena, do you think? I, I can't put a number on it right now. The ticket prices, you know, there are, last I saw, there were still some tickets left. But the price of ticket, you know, on the secondary market from Saturday night till we're doing this on Tuesday morning, yeah. it has really jumped up. So it's a supply and demand study. You know, yeah. if you want to share this with your kids about <laughs> supply and demand in a in a you know, how Limited to ticket market. Yeah, look at the ticket market. You know, once you know the teams that are going to be there, and you know the potential matchups later in the tournament. Uh, yeah, there are people that want the tickets. Well, and it's four teams that I think will all travel pretty well. I mean, you know, te- Texas is Texas; they'll travel well. Matt, again, Wisconsin with their volleyball program—they're you know, won the national championship two years ago. They're going to travel well, and then obviously Pitt being there for three years in a row, like you just said, and Nebraska. And then just a common volleyball fan the sport is growing and it has really taken off over the last few years so i think there are going to be people regionally on the east coast that just want to attend a great event yeah and some other people that have really just latched on to volleyball and that they want to go to the final four you know even here in nebraska i know people that go to the college basketball final four every year they have no care who's going to be in the final four they just love the sport and they know it's a huge stage yeah so they travel, and I think that we're we're starting to get to a space in which that is happening with the sport of volleyball. Yeah, and I think I th- I've, I've seen some gripes on ESPN's coverage, especially of the earlier rounds, two-hour windows for some of these matches that you know went four or five sets that went three, three and a half hours. You know, you're on some of the lower ESPN networks, so hopefully that maybe changes a little bit next year and moving forward well just so you know for this upcoming weekend the window is not two hours from That's match good. one to match two. they're also at one site so yes you don't really have to worry about that too much but the the first semifinal game which is nebraska pit that's at six o'clock wisconsin texas will start about 30 minutes afterwards so it's slated for 8 30 and i saw wisconsin has a men's basketball game that night they just changed the time <laughs> to accommodate the badger fans and i think that nebraska would have done this oh yeah i think so too there's no so way too. they would have had those two games go head-to-head. So I believe Wisconsin's basketball game is now at 6, and then that would hopefully allow fans to exit the Kohl Center and maybe get to your local establishment and just stay there. And Maybe just turn it on at the Kohl Center. That, there you go. That could possibly I'm, I'm hoping for a similar email from uh, Liam and Jamie's school. We have a Christmas program at 7 o'clock Thursday evening. I might have to pay attention to kind of on the side a little bit. But uh, So, yeah, Pitt. Thursday six, they're twenty nine and four this year, Kevin. They've, the four matches they've lost are BYU, which was their very first match of the season. They dropped that three to one. They lost to Oregon, top ten Oregon uh, in five. Uh, Louisville, they got swept, and then Florida State, they also lost to uh, as well in a five set match. So should be a good one. Is there a bad loss in there? I no. mean, no. Those, I mean, are, those, those are, are four good programs. Yeah, those are pretty good programs, and plus they also beat Louisville. And I think it's interesting. I, I want to ask John Cook, you know, how well does he know Pitt? Mm-hmm. Because think of who Pitt just played in the NCAA tournament. Danny Busboom Kelly. And Kirsten Bernthal Booth, Creighton. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so, that's true, yeah. 
there could be a situation here where John's getting a lot of intel from two coaches he knows very, very well, Danny and Kirsten. And, yeah. you know, I don't know how much they want to share with them. And if they're going to try to pull, you know, for Danny, it's a little different because yeah. this is alma mater, alma mater cheering versus conference cheering. That's true. You know, that's uh, true. But, that, you know, that's another thing, too, about the Final Four that I've uh, really come to enjoy. I don't know how many Final Fours this is that I've covered. Um, Nebraska's been to 17 of them. I have not been to 17. <laughs> but one of the cool things about the Final Four is just the volleyball community. Yeah. You will see these coaches from all the conferences all get together. And you see them sometimes watching the matches side by side. And they have their huge ABCA convention, coaches convention this mm -hmm. week. So there's a lot of um, – Really cool things that we get to observe just within the volleyball community. And you really learn, like, how tight-knit it is. These coaches, almost like in broadcasting, you know, we're kind of a small industry. Mm -hmm. And you seem to always, you know, you could throw out a TV station in uh, Wichita or Sarasota, Florida. Oh, yeah, I know someone it, who works there, yeah. You yeah. can connect the dots. You know, I don't know if it's the six degrees of it is. Uh, Kevin Bacon or whatever. But it is. I think in volleyball, everybody's fairly connected based on uh, – who played with who, mm -hmm. who was in what program, who coached with who. Uh, John Cook's coaching tree is massive. So I think that he's going to be a guy in high demand in terms of just visiting with. However, his focus is obviously going to be on trying to get this team to win a national championship. Speaking of his coaching tree, I guess we should just mention Jalen Reyes and Kelly Hunter both receiving contract extensions this week for the wonderful work that they've done. Jalen Reyes, I think, kind of sets up the defense for the Huskers, and, and uh, Kelly Hunter works with the setters. So the the staff, and then obviously you have Jordan Larson there on staff too. So getting them locked down, I guess. Well, as much as John Cook gets to shine, he has some really good coaches on his staff. And I, I'm really happy for Kelly too because if you think back to it, she was kind of a, uh, a very unique situation with trying to get into coaching because mm -hmm. it's right when COVID hit. Ooh, so yeah, she was supposed to join Nebraska staff, I believe, as a grad assistant during the COVID year. So it was like – she was excited to start her coaching career, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's no fall season. Uh, and I know that kind of tested her a little bit. Uh, but not only from the in-game coaching, which is what fans see. They see Jalen standing, and he does a lot of the, you know, pointing and instructing and shouting during the matches. And Jalen has an, an incredible eye for knowing when to challenge. He almost grabbed that green card cup himself a couple yeah, times. That, that, that's a lot of Jalen. But the stuff that those two and Jordan Larson do behind the scenes – People don't recognize. And, you know, you can make a plug for uh, Lindsay Peterson, Lindsay mm -hmm. Wishmeyer, formerly, formerly. She's the director of ops and has been there for, uh, I don't know, probably pushing 20 years now. She's the backbone of that entire operation. We won't get into all those details. But uh, Jalen and Kelly, just with practice planning and with film breakdown and with some of the communication that they have with the players and just, you know, checking in on the players. And I think that's where, like, Kelly's role on staff is so incredibly important because, you know, she's a female on staff. I know John always likes to have a female on staff just mm -hmm. because there are conversations uh, that maybe a teenage player wouldn't feel so comfortable sharing with Nebraska's head coach. But yeah. instead, they maybe are more willing to share with Kelly. And mm -hmm. I think that she has a very valuable purpose on that staff in that regard. 100%. I would, I would definitely uh, definitely agree with that. So, okay, so Kevin, it is 10.20 Tuesday morning. Your flight is at 11. Walk me through what... The flight's not at 11. If it was well, at 11... Well, you got to leave it. Yeah, you got to leave it at 11. Uh, walk me through what your schedule will kind of look like here over the next few days. Today's travel day. 
Uh, tomorrow's a very important day. That is when it's open practices. All the teams will take the court in Tampa. Um, so we'll get a peek at all of the four uh, semifinalists. There are press conferences and interviews with each of the teams. And then, of course, we're going to try to learn a little bit about Tampa uh, along the way on Wednesday. So Wednesday is a very big day. Of course, we will have coverage throughout the day on our various newscasts at 1011 and then coverage online at 1011now.com. Mm -hmm. uh, then Thursday, Nebraska plays in the national semifinals. One of the cool things about the Final Four is when the teams arrive, there is a red carpet. Nice. And there are fans that line it up. And I know that... Uh, in Columbus two years ago, there was even like a lookout site that I believe it was a uh, restaurant, yeah. which was on the top of one of the hotels nearby, right across the, the street from the arena. And there were so many folks that went up to that restaurant just to watch and they got the aerial view. And I think that there, there was even a couple spotlights. And nice. It's, it's really cool. It makes for great pictures and videos. Oh, yeah. So we look forward to the welcome from the fans into the arena before the match on uh, Thursday. Then we'll have the semifinals on Thursday. The two winning teams will then practice again on Friday. There will be more media availability on Friday, Saturday. Now, that's new. Usually the championship is on Saturday. This year, the teams will be st still be there because the championship is on Sunday. But Saturday practices are closed. There's no media. So um, this is where we're brainstorming of how to utilize our time. We'll continue with our stories. I've got a couple of things that uh, I'm working on on stories I'm trying to do while down in Tampa and then yeah. cover the national championship match. Fingers crossed, should Nebraska be in it on Sunday. Flyback Monday. So maybe maybe some downtime for you on Saturday there, a little bit, to see Perhaps. the size. L a little bit at least. Uh, okay. All right. So It'll be a busy week. It will be. I look forward to it. The weather looks great. It's going to be in the 70s all, all week. There's mm -hmm. a chance of rain, but not until, I believe, Friday or Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um but we will be inside most of the time. We're, we're going to be at the arena and at the convention center and um, trying to follow as much volleyball as we possibly can. I looked it up. Your average high temperature in Tampa through mid-December, about 75. Which, we'll shake it. Yeah. In Lincoln, sunny. it's upper 30s. So, but uh, the, And the one question I do want to ask, what's it like trying to travel with a camera? Because I imagine that is difficult and arduous. It is. Uh Thankfully, I've done this long enough. I kind of have a system. Have a system. You know, like, I don't know if it's the right system, but it's my it's, system. It's your, <laughs> you work for you. Bill, and it's not just traveling with the camera, because I do take the camera onto the plane with me. We don't check it. Mm -hmm. um, try to keep it by my side at all yeah. times, because that's, I mean, that that's... camera might be worth more than my salary. <laughs> um, so we protect the camera at all costs, but then we have the tripod, and we have the uh, cables, and we have the microphone, and we have the lights, and uh, my personal suitcase doubles as a equipment bag and a suitcase so right next to my suit jackets is some recording equipment that yep. we need for the final floor <laughs> and then right next to that we have the equipment that allows us to have a live signal from tampa so it's all kind of packed in together i don't know if that suitcase is going to meet the 50 uh, pounds requirement at the airport i already warned our boss that uh, we might have an overage charge but i'm trying my absolute best <laughs> yeah there's a lot there's a lot you got to stuff in there for again potentially Hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, a long trip. Yeah. So yeah, we're packing for six days. Usually, I can do this and push it right up to fifty pounds, but that's usually for a football weekend, mm -hmm. you know, where we're traveling on Friday and then we're covering the game Saturday and returning on Sunday. That's so this is a little different. This is not not we're, a football weekend. We have a little bit more clothes, even though we don't need to pack any hoodies. No, no hoodies. So that helps. Go with the shorts. 
Um, really quickly, just uh, changing the subject quickly to football really quick. Uh, Jeff Sims officially enters the transfer portal. There's been very little transfer portal activity for Nebraska. I think only a handful of players. But Jeff Sims officially in the portal. And then last night, uh, Twitter, or X, I think almost broke with the reports that uh, Nebraska could be signing five-star quarterback Dylan Riola. And Kyle McCord was on and campus. And Kyle McCord was on campus and Julian Fleming. So if you if you really want to put this in a nutshell, Jeff Sims is leaving Nebraska. Dylan Riola may be joining Nebraska. Kyle McCord may be joining Nebraska. Wow. Very much wow. Uh, what was yesterday's date? December? December 11th. So mark that one down on your calendar because that's the day the offseason really flipped. Potentially. For Nebraska. None of these are done deals. It sounds like Riola has uh, an official visit scheduled later this week. McCord was just in Lincoln. My curiosity out of this whole thing is, will Nebraska, if the situation presents itself, take both quarterbacks? Or, uh, of course they would. I guess the better way to articulate that is, would both quarterbacks come to Nebraska? Both are five stars. Five star players, yeah. And, you know, that's, I guess, maybe my <clears throat> skepticism. I would think that one would come and the other one would try to find another place that they could go play immediately because I don't know that Nebraska is going to play both of those guys in the same year, unless there would be a plan to play McCord this year and redshirt Riola. But I think just even saying that out loud, that sounds goofy to me. I don't think Dylan Riola is a redshirt guy. He's ready to play right away and probably take charge and be the face of a program somewhere. He could be. And, and again, and then <clears throat> Danny Kalen gets roped into all of it again. The, uh, quarterback commit for Nebraska for a long time from Omaha. Um, you know, and they pivoted to Danny because they kind of lost out on Dylan Rayola. And, um, it sounds like, you know, again, reports floating out there basically said that Nebraska would still honor his commitment, but would Danny want to be part of that class? I don't know. It's really wild because a week ago, if you're having a conversation about, about Nebraska's quarterback situation, the names you're mentioning are Sam Lovett, from Michigan State, mm -hmm. Heinrich Harburg, and Chubba Purdy. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to this week, and now the words you're, the names you're mentioning are Kyle McCord and Dylan Riola. Yes. All due respect to the previous three quarterbacks I just mentioned, this is a massive uptick at uh, a position in dire need for Nebraska. And, and not to mention, late last night, Isaac Gifford and Bryce Binhart both announced that they're coming back. So throw that, super throw quality log video. on that, yeah, uh, throw another log on that fire, and whew, Nebraska has a ton of momentum. And now even the running back from Florida, Etienne, he's being linked to a potential candidate to come to Nebraska as well. But you you got to be careful when you're consuming all of this information because Matt Rule even mentioned the way the roster sets up. They don't have the ability to take a ton of guys from the portal. So enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But also stay a little bit guarded. Yeah, and signing day is next Wednesday, Correct. I believe. So still eight days or so before players have to kind of sign and, and things become officially official. So I would expect McCord and Raiola. I be, I would think those announcements probably come by the end of the weekend. I would. I think that, I think that's probably probably right. So again, you got to hold on a couple more days before things come officially official. Um, all right, Kevin. Anything else before we let you go? Again, you got a busy next six or seven days ahead of yourself. No, I look forward to the coverage from Tampa and uh, just hoping for a safe flight and uh, make sure all that equipment gets there. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. As always, thanks everyone for tuning in and watching. Again, Kevin's going to have reports coming up starting tomorrow and uh, uh, probably a lot of our shows and, of course, on uh, our digital platforms as well. So appreciate everyone tuning in and watching. Again, for Kevin Suits, I'm Bill Rentschler. I hope everyone has a nice Tuesday.
You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app, on YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. And download the 1011 Now app.